Welcome to the Humanise the Numbers podcast series. Leaders, managers and owners of ambitious accounting firms sharing insights, successes and issues that will challenge you and connect you and your firm to the ways and means of transforming your firm's results. What consulting does is from the initial relationship to the trust being built from the compliance to then the KPIs, management accounts and forecasting, to then go into the, the board meeting and goal setting and everything else, you've got a client for life. Mm. And more, you've got a trusted relationship for life. And they are always there right from the journey from meeting them to helping them exit. Mm. And even maybe something after that as well. Mm. What can you do to grow the commerciality of your team so that they significantly grow your firm's profits and all-round success? You're about to hear from Rob Walsh. Rob sold his firm 18 months ago, but his 14-year journey in that firm saw Rob grow his team so that they did more, Rob did less, and the firm grew its profits, grew the fees, and Rob grew an advisory component of the business that resulted in at least 25% of the fees coming from advisory consulting work. Let's go to that podcast discussion with Rob now. My name is Rob Walsh former owner of Clearvision Accountancy Limited and former partner of a large multi-sited uh, firm in Bristol, Bath um, and the Southwest. And I left that partnership to buy my own business and I called Clearvision Accountancy Limited. Now, why Clearvision, which I'll go into a bit later, um, I grew the business and then sold it to a my fellow director and um, enabled him to take the business to what he wanted to do. And many years ago, at the same time I did the Clearvision Accountancy, I set up Clearvision Consultancy. And that was doing value added work to clients to help them achieve their goals. I sold the accountancy business 18 months ago and obviously have kept Clearvision Consultancy and now I'm doing even more different types of consultancy work that I would ever even thought I would even do as a qualified chartered accountant. So Rob, the um, the journey from start of Clearvision to selling Clearvision Accountancy, how, lo- how long was that journey? It was uh, 14 years. 14 years. And, so, and you've sold it to someone internally. Yeah. Um, so how important was the job of growing the people in the firm so that they were in a position to A, be able to and be willing to buy the business off you? Yeah. We... Came up with an idea, so I came up with an idea of client account managers, which is back in the kind of early noughts, basically, that was unusual. And we made them have their own like profit and loss of their own portfolio, their own sales, their own cross-sales, their own resources, their own marketing, um, asking for referrals and so forth. And they dared to kind of come in and report to uh, me on a management status report um, to talk about their profit and loss. Mm-hmm. So... We were bringing in commerciality to them on a monthly basis as though they were running their own business, so therefore they could advise their portfolio on running a business. Mm. Now, part of this was bringing in a, let's call him an operations director, to running operations because I wanted to go off and do my consultancy work. And I brought in this guy who went in and bought a business from me and bit by bit brought in more in, more in, more trust, more strategy involving the board meetings and gave him projects to do, which he did, and you know, ran the business really. 
And so I ended up being involved probably 10 to 20% on the accounting business mm. and doing 80 odd percent, you know, 80 90% on the consultancy business, which yeah. I love doing. And the consultancy business was bringing business in to the accountancy business. And initially, the accountancy business gave um, work to the consultancy business. But because of the, the, the relationship grew and the trust grew in the consultancy business, it was an easy sell for getting business into the accountancy business. And so in the end, 25% of my revenue was consultancy mm. of the business. Mm. And that's why I've still got now. Yeah, yeah. Whilst growing the accountancy business. Yeah. So you've been out of Clear Vision Accountancy. You sold that how long ago? Eight, 18, 18 months. months 18 yeah. months. 18 months. Um, so I just want to circle back around. So the, the, the route to growing the team was uh, very much uh, focused on their commerciality, as you say, running their own profit centre. What did you actually do on top of them running a portfolio to build their knowledge, build their skill, build their habits so that they were better, stronger client managers so they could stand on their own two feet? I realised very early on that I was going at 90 miles an hour and my team were going at 30 miles an hour and I was leaving them behind. So I had to do two things. I had to meet them in the middle. And how I met the middle, I made a decision that every meeting that I had face-to-face with all clients, even consultancy ones, that someone was with me. And they were with me Brilliant. to help me do the minutes, mm. bring them into the conversation, mm. but more importantly, learn what was going on. Mm. And on the car journey back, or wherever we were, or train journey back, I always asked the question, what did you learn from today? Mm. And so whatever they were learning, um, it then kind of became a bit of a habit of learning. And then they were able to advise their own portfolio on the matters that they were seeing from how I was yeah, helping yeah, yeah. people. Yeah. So it, it, it sounds like a, an, an informal mentoring program, really. You do, they watch. Yeah. Um, and more and more you engage with them in those conversations. So yeah. that they're a participant, not just a watcher. Yeah. Um, there's a fair number of accountants, Rob, that would consider that to be an inefficient way of running client meetings on the grounds there's two people, two, char- two lots of chargeable time, but only one outcome for the client and therefore an inefficient way of running the firm and therefore probably risking profitability as a consequence. How would you respond to that? Well, I think there are old ways and there's new ways. And I think this is a new way because if you ignore the chargeable, chargeable hour, the value of that time spent on those meetings was basically far, far worth more than a chargeable hour, you know, being for that person, whether it's training, whether it's whatever you want to call it, yeah. mentoring. And so to me, um, it was absolutely vital. That was part of the kind of DNA of Clear Vision Accountancy that that happened. Mm. But more importantly, it also built up the trust with the client and the individual in the room. So when when I left the meeting, I didn't have any action points. Mm. So the person who was in the room with me had the action points, checked in with me, mm. and they did it as well. Mm. So not only, you know, you've got your mentoring, you've got the cross-sell, you've got that as well. So if they were spending time with me in the meeting, and as you say, double counting on a chargeable time, yeah. we got it back in spades. 
you know, whether it's trust of the clients, mentorship of the individual, learning curves, commerciality, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, well, I would argue, I think the point you've missed there, you have made it, but it's this, um, the fact you haven't got another hour's worth of work after the meeting in terms of follow-up. Yeah. Someone else has. Yeah. There, there's, the, there's, there's a simple yeah. financial payoff before you even get to the other big side benefits, and, isn't there? And that enabled me to go, go off and go to consultancy you know, work that I did. Yeah, 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 yeah. So how, how specifically did you grow uh, the, the, the chap who took the business over it was holding to him to account so we had a strategic plan every year yeah and then who was doing what and then every meeting he came in and reported on his project plan right and most of the time we'd done it no problem at all and we had a non-exec as well that came in and obviously challenged you know all of us on it as well and that was in the initial days and then as time went on we didn't have a non-exec anymore mm. so it was agreeing a plan early days in the start of the financial year checking in every Monday for I think it was a 45 minutes or hour meeting literally mm. every Monday and then let him do the operations bit um, and then check in on a quarterly board meeting yeah. and that worked perfectly because he wanted to run it you know part of the business I was checking in he always came to me with things in between to where I get my opinion on mm. and that's fine yeah 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 yeah. so that, that accountability piece is something that crops up in a lot of discussions I have with the firms yeah. and, and it's it's a tough tough piece isn't it the accountability piece yeah and it and recently, because of COVID, you can see the businesses that um, have been hard to uh, hold accountable because they've been all over the place. Mm. And so that accountability now, when I'm doing my consultancy piece, is two things, consistency and accountability. Right. And accountability, no doubt to hold yourself accountable and look in the mirror about what you're not doing and doing and then being consistent around it, absolutely key. As a leader. As a leader. As a leader. And therefore earn the right to hold other people to account. Correct. So you, you, you very, if I understand you right, Rob, therefore you're making it very clear what your team should expect of you and you deliver against that, which gives you the right to apply the same standards Correct. to them. Yes. Albeit there's something in there, isn't it? It's accountability is not about how you hold them to account, it's how they hold themselves to account. And so now on, on the consult, I can say this the same with the clients. Because now we've gone from quarterly face-to-face board meeting to kind of monthly Zooms. Yeah. They're actually doing their own accountability sheet. So I'm having a Zoom. Within half an hour or the following day, they're emailing me something back, which is their accountability sheet. Right. So therefore, they're working to that as well. And so yeah. suddenly I've gone full circle, whereas I'm writing the accountability sheet to hold them. Mm-hmm. They're writing their own and coming back to me. Perfect. Yeah. Yeah, interesting that, isn't it? It's and, and very powerful because it, it's almost as if if you own the accountability, you're inflicting that on them. Whereas if they own the accountability, they are volunteer. It's the language you use. Yeah, 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 yeah. So um, the experience at Clear Vision and you know, there's the previous multi-partner, multi-office firm. I just I want to get a feel for this journey from compliance to advisory over the. You know the period of Clear Vision and what was going on in you know the previous firm. Just run us through how that's evolved for you personally, and then how you've scaled and leveraged that, if indeed you have. So I was very lucky to work with a guy called Tony Swift in the nineties, who was far ahead of his game running an accounting business. Mm-hmm. And what his model was, you know, you had the you had the client base, and you had you were doing the IFA arm, mm-hmm. the corporate finance arm, mm-hmm. um, the leasing arm, the recruitment arm the software arm, the um, management accounts arm. So in the 90s, that was pretty unheard of. Mm. So it's using this um, client's uh, pot, basically, and then cross-selling in different areas, getting a 
business owner to own these different um, uh, departments and more companies, and then going off to, into the client and doing that, mm. and then and you know and consulting and all kind of advising and what we need to do. So suddenly the client was getting a whole breadth of advice from all different you know parts of the firm. Right. Input from lots of different profit centres. Would Correct. that be fair? Yeah. Yeah, or departments, profit centres, yeah, yeah, companies, yeah. what you want to say. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. So if someone didn't know, they'll go to that company. If someone didn't know, they'd go to that company. So wherever they need to go for business advice, you know, then they would go to one of these companies and then do it give from there. So I was very lucky to work with this guy, Anthony Swift. And so he was ahead of his game. Unfortunately, the people that were heads of the companies through departments, they were not business people. So therefore, they had to be mentored, and you know, and then some made it, some didn't make it. Mm. So when I started, when I came into, when I left the business, in it was because there was no strategy, there was no vision, there was no kind of direction. Okay, right. and by that time, Tony Swift had left and gone on to his own passes new. Yeah, and so I wanted to create something different, and rather than being the Rob Walsh accounting team or whatever you want to call it. It was talking about something that I'm very passionate about, which is vision and clarity Hmm. for clients. And therefore, we formed Clearvision Accountancy Limited. And whatever we did, we flipped upside down. So we have an upside down forecast. And just briefly, what that means is, rather than having turnover at the top, it's turnover at the bottom. So at the top, you've got your income to live on. Hmm. Add on your income to achieve your personal goals. Add on tax, add on overheads, add on cost of sales, and then um, you get turnover at the bottom. Mm. Then it's how you grow your turnover. Mm. Okay, so then looking at that, and then payroll. How can we make payroll a better, you know, service that people like? Mm. So we just bought a, a printer for a thousand pound, and it was enabled to, to basically put messages on the payslips. Mm. So every month we wrote messages on individual payslips to say, well done, Paul, for doing this, well done, Matt, for doing this, well done, so-and-so, or just remember the system regarding this. So it was good and mentoring as well. Mm. Then we sold this to other clients, you mm. know, and so therefore the payroll service was something that was adding value to their employees as well. Right. So whatever we did, tax, payroll, um, forecasts, management accounts, management accounts, if they had a personal goal of owning a particular watch, quarterly management accounts, 10 grand profit, Oh, you've just bought one quarter of your watch, hmm. linking in their gold to the hard work and so forth. So whatever we did at Clearvision, we basically flipped it upside down and challenged the way, hmm. challenged the way. And then during that time, we started building a consulting model, hmm. started doing one, then two, then three, then non-exec ships, whatever. And so in the end, I think I left with, sorry, not leave, but I've got 28 relationships with consultancy clients. Yeah. that have been going for um, some five years, some 10 years, whatever plus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so the transition was whatever we're doing in our own business in looking at turning it upside down to actually kind of analysing it to say, how can we make this visionary? How can we make this different? How can we make it whatever? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it was really important to us. And then you came along poor many years ago and asked me what my eight words were for my purpose. And I said to you, because I care to make a bloody difference. Mm. And we had the word difference. We had the big difference room, the small difference room. Our client feedback was, have we made no difference, small difference, big difference or total difference? Mm-hmm. We had a difference um, uh, bar chart on the, on the website. Mm-hmm. So suddenly linking purpose to humans, to 
the DNA of the business and the scorecard as well. You know, scorecard, you know, absolutely crucial. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So by flipping Clearview's and accountancy, and then you know we were lucky to win national awards and so forth because of um, adding value to people's businesses. And you know it was very. It wasn't about the outcome, which is profit and cash. It was about the input of doing what you're passionate about doing. Mm. Okay, and the outcome was actually difference. Mm. To make a difference to them, mm. and then the byproducts with profit, and, and that's very personal, isn't it? Because everyone's got their, you know, the, there's a the, the difference I want to make, the difference you want to make, the difference this client A, client B, and client C want to make are all different. So there's actually something about understanding clearly back to your clear vision piece, isn't there? Yeah, yeah. and the vision of where they're going, and the vision of where they are. And the, you know, we can jump in far too quickly to say you need to do this. Yeah, but unless we actually go behind the person. To see what kind of state they are are in personally or professionally, whatever, before they go to business, it's really important these days. Yeah. You know, I was an example recently whereby this lady, not sleeping, not eating properly, not not whatever, just focus business, business, business. Mm. So I didn't have to have a conversation regarding you know that, but I did. Mm. And I said, look up rather than look down. She said, what do you mean? I said, when's the last time you looked up and looked at the trees and the nature and the birds and whatever? I bet you're walking along, chatting to different people on your phone before you start work. Yes, I am. How do you know that? So I said, when's the last time you ate properly? She said, how do you know that? I said, when's the last time you actually had a quality conversation regarding a friend or a laugh or whatever, mm-hmm. or going and sat in the park? Mm-hmm. Not for a long time. Go and do it. Mm-hmm. Then I made a re- reply to me after Easter Monday and just said, you know, she said, can't thank you enough. Mm-hmm. Now, that was free of charge. That was nothing to do with business whatsoever. It was getting her in a better place so that she could think about the the business in a better way because hmm. there's that challenge isn't it? if you're emotionally in the wrong place and you're making decisions for your business yeah chances are you're making the wrong decisions correct so it's actually what, you, what you're talking there of is this massive journey from compliance accountant all the way through to uh, emotional consultant isn't it it's funny I was, I was someone called me the the alchemist the other day which is actually unusual so the, the alchemist consultant and it's you go from being a qualified chartered accountant to doing your compliance. Yeah. Getting bored and doing the sexy stuff, which is the management accounts and, and forecasts, which, you know, a sad product, sexy stuff. And then going on to consulting. And then consulting, you always start with the financials. Then you go to financials into strategy and strategy into, into purpose, purpose into goals. And suddenly you go another step back or four, which is the, the person mm. and understanding the person, helping the person. Mm. So suddenly you look at the different layers of consulting, mm. you know, where do you build trust by looking at these different layers of consulting and getting to a relationship whereby you are ultimately the the trusted advisor and therefore they'll come to you with anything at all mm. okay and it's how you adapt to those different layers of consulting and not being afraid you know I used to be you know fearful about asking them how they're feeling but now it's one of my first questions and I don't let them go on until they actually tell me you know how they're feeling and not give me any bullshit basically you know mm. Mm. But it's clear from, you know, uh, your earlier piece about the lady looking down, looking up, it's actually a whole series of questions. So there's nothing complex about consulting, is it? It's just a whole series of uh, uh, questions where you're genuinely curious and then you've created that hierarchy, which is the financial numbers at one end and the um, emotional state at the other. Uh, And do you think, Rob, it's been a, a, a natural journey progressing through that hierarchy as you've got more and more confidence at each stage or or is it has it, has it, has it been more um, disjointed than that 
My worst feeling was uh, the word listen. So if I listened early enough, I'd have gone through those stages a lot quicker. Okay. So, so you're saying you were good at asking the questions, but not so good at the listening piece. So, well, let's go there then. So, so what, define listening then. Listening to what? Well, let's... You can ask a question and you get an answer. Mm. But did you actually get the answer? Did you connect to the answer? Did you actually see what they said? Did you actually see their, their body language? Did you actually connect with the whole human, human parts of who you were talking to? So, you know, we all make mistakes. And so if I had, rather than listening to my own voice and being egotistic, basically asked a question and shut up and then listen and listen and then ask a question about what I've listened to and ask another question about what I listened to mm. and then keep going about the questions that I'm listening to, mm. suddenly they know that you care. Mm. You're not going to let them go past that point you're discussing until you actually got what is the kind of core problem and what is the core action point. Yeah. So natural progression, I would say no, but as simple as just listening, then you get it quicker if you listen. Hmm. It's interesting. I used to uh, four kids. All of them have had, unfortunately, I guess, had uh, me and Kate singing to them before they went to bed when they were little. And uh, one one of the songs of choice was "Listen with Your Eyes." Are they okay, the kids? They're okay, Rob. Thank okay. you for asking. Okay. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Was that it's uh, uh, the, arguably the, the the strongest listening organ is the eyes, not the ears, because you can see yeah. how people feel better than you can actually hear how they feel. Yeah, and so you you talk about looking for the body language; it's a form of listening. Um, and 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 also, I think what I've heard there is the um, you ask a question. Then my favourite strategy is just repeat what they've said. Yeah. You almost don't need to ask a second question no. and then they fine-tune it. You do the same again, they fine-tune it again and all of a sudden you're peeling the layers back, aren't you? To get to what is really going yeah. on. And because of Zoom, mm. rather than face-to-face, -face, mm. you've got to be even more astute, you know, and let's just say, taking your words, listen with your eyes. Yeah. Because you can't see them as much, you can yeah, see yeah, their faces. Yeah, yeah. And therefore you've got to be even more astute to, to the words they use, the language that they use glass half empty or glass you know half full yeah, whatever yeah, you know yeah. all, all the normal stuff yeah which is back to the quality of the listening yeah um, and also I think in these these times as well it's connection or connectedness whatever you want to, it's, it's, mm. it's making sure that your connection isn't just superficial that your connection goes through different layers okay mm. so you listen you make a connection go to another layer you listen, you make a connection, get a different layer, mm. and so on. Mm. So suddenly, when you know that, so, my language, when, when you're listening and then you're asking a question, you're connecting even more, you know that you're getting to the key issue. And that's where you can help them change or change their way they're thinking or change their way they outlook on the business or change something simple about the business or just kind of, you know, just they do some very simple stuff. Mm. So con connection and connectedness I think is a is inbuilt in the layers of trust that you have with your client. So you raise an important point there because I think there's. Are you asking a question so you can find the fix, or are you asking the question just so that you understand? Which do you think? Where do you think the power really lies? Um, you have to keep asking a question and keep asking a question, keep asking until you understand, mm. and then give a fix. I wouldn't say give a fix. 
talk through the your understanding of the situation mm. to come up with different options or to show a different way. Mm. And then it's up to them whether they go that different way and drink the water. Brilliant. So it's up to them to make the decision, but you can have a conversation to pursue options. Yes. So actually consulting, what we're saying here is just ask questions about, yes, facts, but also feelings. Yeah. Uh, or ask questions so that you end up having a conversation about yeah. the way people are feeling. You, you know, so yeah. how are you feeling? It's great open-ending, opening gambit, but actually, um, you know, it's asking a series of questions that unravel that. You know, and that's why you know repeating what they say has a tendency to get people to naturally and comfortably uh, share more and more of what's going on inside them. And, and you know, you you can ask a question, "How are you feeling?" and it comes from their head. Yeah, and you know. That's not the true feeling. Yeah. You can ask a question that comes from their heart or from their, you know, intuition or whatever, and you know that you're getting the, the, the right answer. So how does an accountant ask one of those intuitive type of questions then, Rob? <laughs> Intuitively. <laughs> <laughs> That's helpful. Thanks, Rob. <laughs> um, you know, excuse the language, you know when you're getting an a, a answer which has been fobbed off. Yeah. You know, and it comes from the mind. You know, yeah. it comes from a, a you know a, a pure response mechanism. Okay. Yeah. Therefore, you know you're getting a kind of a you know standard answer B or C or D. Okay. So you, you can tell by the language being given to you that it's it's a mind answer rather than a heart answer. Yeah. So there's a surface element. You know, there's like a veneer. Correct. You see the veneer yeah. as opposed to the deep down wood. And it's interesting. So recently, someone's come back to me after a, a, a kind of um, someone introduced regarding whether to start a business or not. Mm. And he came to me regarding numbers. Mm. You know, what's going to be worth value, end game, uh, whatever. And I asked him a question, which basically, I think it took him out of his kilter. And he says, so what's your purpose in life? And he said, oh, uh, to basically provide a family. No, what's your purpose in life? And um, he said, oh, I, I, I love meeting people. I love kind of make a difference to them in dentistry. So I said, how are you going to feel when you sold the business? You know, will you fulfill your purpose in different ways? He said, good question, Rob. And then about two days later, he came back to me because he thought about it. And he realized that, um, as he put it, he's worked 25 years in a dark and dingy room. And on exit, he's going to have to work in there another two or three years to get his full exit value. But then it's going to give him an option. Does he stay in there working as an associate? Does he go off then set up a new business? Or does he help? Does he see people in a different way by doing a charity, whatever? Mm. So at the moment, he's got one, one purpose of making a difference to, to people in, uh, doing dentistry, mm. but gave him options of staying in there, setting up a new business, or doing something completely different. And when he got to his purpose and realized that it's not about the money, it's about the purpose. Hmm. You know, certainly he could see that he's still going to have an opportunity to do his purpose, even though he sold his business, hmm. which is really key. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and and it, and just to go back a bit, the reason why I sold Clivian Accountancy was that I was getting a few heart issues, nothing serious, but a few heart, heart issues. Health issues, yeah. And suddenly, because I'm a because I'm a heart person kind of thing rather than a mind person, it was affecting me in the heart. And I think, hang on a minute, rather than being fearful, what have we got to learn here? We've got to learn it, what we've got to learn it. And suddenly it took something else, not heart attack, nothing like that, but it's something, you know, the heart tripping off to a high speed. I'm thinking, what am I doing here? And literally I was looking up at a ceiling in the Bath Hospital and I'm thinking, how the F did I basically get here? 
thinking this is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. So certainly that made me basically have a conversation with the partner, the director, and just say, buy the business. And I may have got me able to get more for it, I don't know, but sold it. Yeah. Now that enabled me to fulfill my purpose even more, going to do the consulting, what I really, really enjoy doing, hmm. you know, and rather than being not hemmed back, because you know, I, I owe my life to accountancy kind of thing and what it taught me, hmm. but to enable you to go to a different level of delivering consultancy, which is what you're passionate about, hmm. and therefore I'm not being involved in the business. Okay, which is again linked to your purpose. Yeah. So I could have stayed with the county business and kept the money going and everything else, but then if I kind of, you know, really stick to my purpose, go off and see what passes new. Same with this guy in dentistry. Mm. And what consulting does is from the initial relationship to the trust being built from the compliance to then the KPIs management accounts and forecasting to then go into the board meeting and goal setting and everything else. You've got a client for life, mm. and more. You've got a trusted relationship for life, and they are always there, right from the journey from meeting them to helping them exit, mm. and even maybe something after that as well. Mm. And that's the beauty of it. So, you know, I think accountants can look at a lifetime value of a client and just say, "Is it compliance only?" No. Yeah, but more importantly, just to pick up on your point, Rob, there's a connectedness there. Correct. Which actually is very fulfilling, isn't it? If, oh, yeah, uh, huge. As opposed to just seeing it as a transactional relationship with a yeah. client who's your paymaster general, it's actually something that means something to you and means something to your client. Have I understood that right? Yeah, totally. So when you're slogging it back from, you know, doing train journeys here and everywhere, it's not about how much money I've earned that day. You say, have I really made a difference today? Mm. And that's, that's it. That's the key point. And that's the passion, the warm feeling you get in your gut kind of thing of making a difference, you know. Mm. And now, even now, we're not travelling as much, you know, I'm doing it by Zooms. It's, it's even better because you're seeing the clients more frequently. Yeah, you make yeah, a yeah. difference even more. Yeah, yeah, no, I agree. I, that's been my experience as well. But I still, I think there's this challenge there, isn't there, Rob? You've got, you know, accountants who've been trained in accountancy, they haven't been trained in asking questions, haven't been trained in being comfortable with the ambiguity of a conversation around people's feelings and ambitions and goals. How, how, do you, how do we help others how do you how did you help your team ask those sorts of questions how did you scale and leverage what you were doing around advisory stroke consultancy so the people that want to do it will do it the people that will say they'll do it won't do it and the people that say they didn't want to do it didn't do it so the ones that the dangerous ones are in the middle whereby the people that say they want to do it and don't do it. They're the time stealers and you know, and then they just kind of waste your time and you know, whatever. So you just write those ones off then, Rob? You give them a chance. You train them, mentor them, give them a chance, and then you say to them, Do you want to do this or not? No, I'm happy doing forecasting rather than advisory. Right. Happy days, no problem at all. Thank you for letting me know. So the people that do want to do it, they're on the journey with you, mm. okay, and you, you've made them accountable and it and uh, and they want to do it. So, you know, I've helped different accountancy firms across the country, and you can see the ones that want to do it because they want to learn. Mm. And normally they are the people that, if they're not asking about feelings, they soon will be because mm. they're just having the confidence, you know, they're just getting more confidence to ask those questions. Mm. And that's the Where difference. does that come from, though, Rob? Where does the confidence come from? It's by giving them good mentoring basically you know and allowing them to fail mm. I don't like that word allowing them to learn failure is, is always a learning yeah. so therefore allowing them to learn yeah. on a regular basis and then okay don't worry about that what's the good points mm. you know 
sometimes you hear somebody lost 4-0, okay, you know, in football or whatever, mm. and, and they say, so, okay, what are good points from, from today? Rather, because we all know what bad points are. Sure, sure, sure. So therefore, it's just building their confidence, building their confidence, building their confidence like this, and then let them, let them, let them kind of loose on a soft client, right. someone that they know really well, mm. giving them the questions to ask, mm. not being involved because me being me, I'll, I'll take over the session. So I need to yeah, back, yeah, back yeah, yeah, out. get out of the way. Yeah. Let them do it. Yeah, <laughs> let them do the it, <laughs> and then they, then you get feedback, you learn it, and it's good. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I think the um, if anyone's ever watched or actually taught a child to ride a bike, they're learning a skill. What you're talking yeah. about there is they're learning a skill around asking certain questions in a certain way, yeah. which is, yes, about facts, but also about feelings. Yeah. Is, you know, the emotional context of what the business owners are doing in the business is as important, if not more important, than the actual nuts and bolts of yeah. the business. Um, and an accountant who's been trained in facts and figures can learn to drive a car, can learn to drive a bike, can learn to ask questions that are anything other than about the numbers. And they will fall off the bike. Of course they will. They? Um, and, and also, you know, we're all humans, and so therefore we've got, we've got passions outside of work. Hmm. And so all you're doing is bringing your outside passions and the way you kind of uh, feel about that hmm. into work. Hmm. But if, if there's an underriding um, challenge that you've laid down in this conversation, Rob, to anyone listening, is the fact um, they've got to get clear on their own purpose and then that will steer them in terms of whether the advisory consulting piece is right for them right for their right. firm <clears throat> and it's how, how does someone get to a place where they're crystal clear on their purpose if we go back to the leaders of the business what what are they actually wanting to create are they are they creating an advisory business now we what does advisory mean does it mean tax advisory? Does it mean payroll advisory? What does it actually mean? So advisory to mean is actually having a trusted, deep, connected relationship with a client. Hmm. That's it. Hmm. So if that's the passion of the leader at the top, that's going to filter down into the individuals down below and there'll be a training program. There'll be this, there'll be whatever. If at the top, then it's um, just bit part and, you know, and part time, you're not going to get a, a kind of fully what I, what I sort of fully connected advisory business. Yeah, buying across the firms yeah. are going to be there. Exactly. So therefore, there won't be training, services, there won't be training program for for people yeah. to learn. Yeah. However, there'll be some shining lights amongst your firm, hmm. and those shining lights will be doing what they're doing because they've got a natural ability, or they're doing it themselves because they feel passionate about it. Yeah. Give those people a chance to kind of run a you know consulting advisory business hmm. to grow it. You know, and. Hmm. Um, and let them kind of learn from that and help them grow a department within, you know, what they're learning from now. Mm. So to me, everyone has the opportunity, whether it's the individual or whether it's the leader. Mm. And therefore, the individual may have the natural talent um, or asking, or asking uh, questions, ability and listening. Uh, but if it comes from the top, then that, again, like, like I said, it could be part of DNA of the business and make sure it's entrenched in the business. Sure. And goes for everything yeah yeah but I'm, I'm still struggling to hear how does someone work out what their core purpose is sorry I didn't ask the question so you asked me eight words uh, eight, many years ago about my eight words I think we came from Seth Godin mm. the purple cow yeah and so I asked straight I answered straight away because it could make a bloody difference and then I think the following week I was reading a book by Deepak Chopra and it said to me 
They said, if you're doing the work you're doing, if you're enjoying the work you're doing, if you're passionate about the work you're doing, um, then why change? Okay. So people are always moaning about this, that and the other. But if you're really enjoying what you're doing, then that's your purpose in life. Okay. You know, and it's this, it turned over the page and said, if you've answered nothing, you know, what would you change? Nothing. Then you find your purpose in life. And that's the key thing. You know, if you enjoy doing bookkeeping, which is fantastic for people and really getting to the nth degree of detail, it's fantastic. That's your purpose. You know, you really like accuracy. Okay. If you're, if you like doing forecasting, showing the future, you know, and really kind of doing these, these tables, these, um, these different KPIs, whatever, and different um, uh, models of, of forecasting, perfect because you're showing the future. Okay. If you like talking about tax, that's fine as well. So it really is, you know, what is your purpose? And, you know, I've got a conversation yesterday about someone's purpose and they didn't know. Mm. So I've got this conversation with them next week. It's MD of a 50 employee law firm up, up, up north. And she thinks she knows. And if I was to, ask, if I, if I was to give her, her her eight words, I could know what they were, but it's not for me to say it, it's for her to say it. Mm. And suddenly if the word in there is supportive, List all the times, the name is Emma, all the times, Emma, you're being supportive in a week. Can you improve it? Okay. Look at the work um, present, where you're present, you know, in the moment, listening. Look at all the times you're doing it. And suddenly, when they pick their eight words and you break down the actual word it means and then look at what they're doing daily, weekly, monthly, mm. you got it nailed. Actually got it nailed. Mm. The, the problem is, it's getting into eight words. There's another client in Manchester and hers is to... Um, to, to grow opportunities, but enjoy the journey. Sorry, and enjoy the journey. So she's an ideas person, a lot of opportunities, opportunities, opportunities. Mm. And so it's growing opportunities that she likes in the right way, but enjoying the journey. Two young kids working silly hours, great brain on her, gonna make a lot of money, but she's not enjoying the journey. Mm. So she actually got those eight words, got them framed and put it up on the wall of a bedroom. So when she wakes up in the morning, she can see it. And suddenly, recently, I said to her what her eight words are, and she said that. I said, but you're not. You're not enjoying the journey. What's got to change? So conversation next week basically is, what have you done to change the way you're running your life to enjoy the journey? Interesting conversation to have. So what you're saying there is the whole series of questions that you can ask people that help them determine their own yeah purpose correct and stay with it my, my experience is because um, I, I, I've been challenged over the last 18 months to refresh and review our purpose around which has ended up being humanise the numbers the name of this podcast and um, and it, 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 it's taken a while to get comfortable with the language but it's um, it, it, it feels natural now at first it didn't yeah um, and it, you know it reflected and connected with what we were doing and what we were best at and what we love doing to take your yeah. point um, but actually um, fine-tuning the language and getting comfortable with the language was tough. Well, not tough, it just took time. Yeah. You know, uh, writing stuff and saying stuff in a particular way and going, Ugh. falling off the bike, you know, yeah. just um, cocking it up a little bit. You but know, be willing to fail. We're willing to learn, to use your, your reference. In order to make a difference, which is part of my eight words for the purpose, I had to give clarity and have to have a vision. Hmm. 
So therefore, getting clarity into the business, getting vision into the business was absolutely key. Mm-hmm. So the forecast was something different, the personal goals were something different. So then suddenly, making a difference into clear and vision, yeah. you know, that was absolutely key to bring it, make it, as a part of the DNA of the business. Yeah. Um, and, then, and then suddenly your eight words are endemic in that business. Mm. Yeah, endemic, embedded, real. DNA, yeah. It's, and I love the DNA phrase, so that you, you move away from it being a tagline and move it into a place where it actually, it's meaningful to every person in the business, every person outside the business who looks at you and, and connected, works in the business. And, and connected. connected rather yeah, than is, having a lily pad on top of a pond with no roots and it will sink, basically yeah, yeah, yeah. it's a fully supportive vision and so forth. Yeah. Yeah. Rob, it's been brilliant. really appreciate you uh, taking time out and sharing your thoughts on your history, clear vision and the uh, value of purpose. And yeah, challenging everybody to uh, 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 grasp the nettle, as it were. I enjoyed it, but I'm more concerned about your kids being sung to. <laughs> I think they've got over it now. Two of them are musicians, Rob, so I think we must have had some impact. <laughs> but yeah. you know that already. Cheers, Rob. Thank you, you. Angie. You'll find more valuable discussions with the leaders of ambitious accounting firms at humanisethenumbers.online. You can also sign up to be notified each time a new podcast is made available. This podcast series, Humanise the Numbers, has been made possible thanks to the support of our sponsors, My Work Papers, Advanced Track, Satago and VFD Pro. Visit humanisethenumbers.online, click the logo of each sponsor and you'll hear what our podcast interviewees have to say about the sponsor's services.